relationship with God, secondly, in our everyday relationship with our neighbor, and finally, in our covenant relationship with our brothers and sisters. Why did God create life? The answer of a Reformed confessor will be, he created life so that he can give glory to his name. Indeed, he is the almighty creator. He has tremendous power, and he has an incredible imagination. We only have an inkling of how great God is and how great his creation is. There are creatures in the sea, for example, that no man has ever laid eyes on in the very depth of the ocean. They do not see the light of day. Even the nets of the fishermen cannot reach them. There are all kinds of tiny organisms which the naked eye cannot see either. There are trillions upon trillions of living creatures all over man, all over this earth, that man is hardly, if at all, aware of. Why does all that life exist? For their own sakes? No, they exist for God's glory. And therefore, so do we. However, we are not like the other creatures that God has made. Man is unique. The gift of life that God gives to us, it's much greater than the gift of life he gives to all the other life forms here on earth. Man is unique because he has been made in the image of God. God doesn't say that about any other creature. What does it mean that God created us in his image? Well, the fact that God created us in his image made it that he created us in true righteousness and holiness. What does all that mean, Pastor Mark? Let me elaborate on it. To be created in true righteousness means that we were created, when we were created, we knew exactly what God wanted. We were completely in tune with his will and his desires. And to have been created in holiness means that we were totally dedicated to God and to his service. That's how Adam and Eve were created. And therefore, that is also how you and I were created. Because we were offspring. Before the fall into sin, everything Adam and Eve did, they did for God's sake. They did not do anything against God's will, and therefore they were totally pure and innocent. Since their lives were totally tied in with God's life, with the eternal one, they too possessed eternal life. For God created man to be with him forever and ever. And he gave them, and therefore also to us, he gave them a wonderful life. He gave Adam and Eve everything that they could possibly ever need, and then some. There was nothing wanting. But as you know, then Adam and Eve threw it all away. They and we in them no longer respected life. We did not respect God's life, nor our own. And when Adam and Eve sinned, they severed their relationship between God 
and the king themselves. They wished God out of their existence. For all intents and purposes, Adam and Eve at that moment killed God. You may say, isn't that a bit extreme? That's impossible. How could Adam and Eve kill God? Nothing and no one can harm him. But there is more to killing and deliberately trying to snuff out someone's life. There are many ways in which to kill. When Adam and Eve sinned, they acted as if God did not exist. They acted as if they had no relationship with him. And you see, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, that is what murder is. It is acting as if the other person is not important. It is totally ignoring someone else's feelings. It is pushing another person aside for your own sake. When you do that, you commit murder. And we do it all the time, don't we? When Adam and Eve did that with God, then there was no longer a point of return. They couldn't go back to the way it was. They had ruined their relationship, their life with God. The moment they sinned, they died. And then we see the wonderful nature of God. God did not want to take away the life that he created. And so he gave a way out. And it was not an easy way out. It was extremely difficult. But it was the only way. He promised to send his own son to restore life. Human life. We read about what that took in Philippians 2. There we see the exact opposite of what Adam and Eve did. And therefore what he did. And what he continued to do. By nature, we look after our own interests first. But as we saw with it, especially when you kill life, if you want to have a life for yourself, then you must create an opening to others. Then you must respect that deeply care for the life that God gives to you and for the life that God gives to others. Then as Paul tells us in Philippians 2 verse 3, you must consider others better than yourselves. That means that other people are extremely important to you. If that's not the case, then you cannot be in a proper relationship with them. And life without such relationships is death. And that ultimately, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, is what hell is about. In hell, you have no relationship with anyone. God has abandoned you, and so has everybody else. No one cares about you when you are in hell. No one cares about your pain, about your sorrow, about your hope, if there are none, or anything that concerns you personally. Even God doesn't care about you. That's hell. Christ shows us the opposite of hell. He did everything to restore our relationship with the Father. And he, and he paid an enormous price in order 
that Paul states that so wonderfully in Philippians 2. He says there in verse 5 that Christ Jesus, who was in a very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, something to be held on to. great sin. Actually, he wanted to replace God. And now, Christ Jesus does the exact opposite. He brings us back to the way it should have been in paradise. Christ humbled himself. He humbled himself to the very depth of his being. He made himself nothing. Whatever glory he had with the Father, he gave it all away. He humbled himself even unto death. He gave his life so that
Epaphroditus and also himself as examples of those who have learned not to be like that. Listen to what Paul says about himself. He says in verse 17, Even as I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So Paul loves his brothers and sisters in the Lord so much that he is willing to give his life for them. He is willing to pour out his life as a drink offering for their sake. And in this way, he imitates Christ. And then he says about Timothy in verse 20 that he has no one else like him to take such a genuine interest in your welfare. Timothy has done the same, has learned to be the same. And he writes about Epaphroditus in verse 25 that this brother came to Paul in order to take care of his needs. Epaphroditus was also a man of service. He was interested in the life of Paul and in the life of all those Philippians. He was interested in the life of his fellow human beings. And he was even willing to give his life for them. But during his travels, he almost died. He almost died in the service to others. Are you willing to do that? Am I? question we should ask ourselves. You see, positively stated, that's what the sixth commandment is all about. As it also says in answer 107, it says that God commands us to love our neighbor as ourselves, to protect him from harm as much as we can, and to do good even to our enemies. Paul and his fellow workers realized the precious gift of life. And because they realized that for themselves, they also realize that for others. And therefore must seek to protect the lives of others as much as we can, as it is in our power to do so. And you do that not just for your brothers and sisters in the Lord. No, you do that with everyone with whom you come into contact. And that is why several times Lord St. Paul speaks of our neighbor, I not to dishonor, hate, injure, or kill my neighbor by thoughts, words, or gestures. And in answer 107, it says that God commands us to love our neighbor as ourselves. Who is our neighbor? every person with whom we come into contact, even our enemy. For as it says in answer 107, we must do good even to our enemies. That is hard, isn't it? It's not something we are prone to do. And so we do everything in our power to have a relationship with others, a good relationship. We are told that we must not kill them. First of all, with our thoughts. Adam and Eve sinned already when they wished God out of their existence. They did not like his rule that they should not eat from that one tree in the garden. And so in their thoughts already, they tried to kill him, to dismiss him, to put him out of their lives. Well, that is not something we may do 
Thank you. 
Catechism. 
this is special for the youth. So let me ask you, young people, how do you treat the elders with whom you come into contact, your fellow classmates, and the other ones in your school? Are you kind to them? Even when they are not in the same way to you, Thank you. 